Welcome to Tuber Talk, Canada's potato podcast. Tuber Talk is produced by Potatoes in Canada magazine. You've tuned in to hear about the people and the ideas making a difference in the Canadian potato industry. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Tuber Talk. My name is Stephanie Crowley. I'm the Editorial Director of Agriculture at Potatoes in Canada Magazine, and I'm joined today by Dr. Mario Tenuta. Welcome, Mario. Thank you, Stephanie, for um, having me uh, join you and your listeners today. Thanks for joining us. So Dr. Tenuta is the Professor of Applied Soil Ecology at the University of Manitoba. Uh, he is also the Principal Investigator, joined by many other collaborators at CanPedNet, um, and an Industrial Research Chair in For Our Nutrient Management. I know there's lots of other factors under your resume, Dr. Tenuta, but uh, I'm sure I missed something, so feel free to, to jump in and, and add any of your other current roles or, or titles. No, they're all boring. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, I think, uh, I think your work is very interesting and the opposite of boring, and I'm sure our listeners will agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> Today, we are going to chat a little bit about potato early dying uh, and some of the factors and con- contributors to this disease or this, uh, you know, it's, it's often called a complex, which I think Uh, Mm -hmm. That will reveal itself very much during our discussion today, too. Uh, So I've got some questions for you here, and I'm I'm hoping uh, you're able to give our our listeners some advice and tips uh, when dealing with this very complicated uh, issue in potato fields. Sure. Looking forward to it. Let's let's launch into it. All right. Let's get into it. So potato early dying, sometimes called potato early dying complex, has major impacts on potato yields across Canada. Um, Can you talk a little bit about the disease and its effects on potatoes, how it infects plants and how it spreads through a field? Well, there, that's a lot there. Um, (laughs) About 30 minutes to go over all that, uh, but we're going to give you the closed notes versions of that. Um, So potato early dying. Yeah. It's, it's a disease complex, which means that um, there's often more than one um, pest or pathogen involved. And in some cases in Canada, actually there's only one. Um, at very basics about particularly dying is the involvement of verticillium, and, which is a fungus, and particularly one species of verticillium, which is verticillium dallii. And so this fungus uh, is in soil, doesn't really live in soil, but what it does is in soil, it just um, rests and hangs out and can withstand uh, dry conditions, winter. And um, it's not really just kind of hibernating until, until it can sense uh, the proximity of roots, but not just any roots, roots of plants that are potential hosts. Mm-hmm. for the fungus. In other words, it can allow the, the fungus to enter the root and um, move through the plant internally and derive energy from the plant, grow, reproduce, and eventually as the plant uh, dies, it will, um, in effect, you kind of think of it as going to seed. It's not quite like seed, mm-hmm. but it produces structures called microsclerotia which are highly resistant to decay in the soil. And as the residue is added back to the soil after harvest, 
uh, and that residue decays, those microscorotia, which are very small. They're like uh, medium coarse pepper grains, like okay. black pepper. And uh, sometimes you can see them in the, in the stems of potato. Mm -hmm. And as the bacteria and fungi degrade the plant residues, the microscrotia are not affected and they get liberated into the soil and then they can survive. Mm -hmm. Now they can survive for five, 10 years. Um, so, you know, over time, you, you, the population will decline. Like if we added a whole bunch to soil uh, year zero and we come back 10 years later, they're not all have going to survive, mm -hmm. but a good chunk of them will. So this is one of the things we think about in terms of early dying is that it's a, it's a long-term problem. Yeah. Okay. Now, when I talked about hosts, well, the, as you know, the dominant host is uh, potato. Of course, yeah. Uh, or this verticillin dye. But there's other hosts out there too, like mm -hmm. uh, tomato. Mm -hmm. Tomato is, is, a, is a good host. Uh, eggplant is a good host. So there are other, um, and there, there are some herbs as well. And so, it's, but really in our systems, it's, it's the potato that is the most, uh, what we're most interested in. Mm -hmm. uh, now, the, the verticillium, what does it do to the plant? Well, it enters the roots and uh, we used to think the was entering the roots through damage, you know, holes, ruptures, cracks, wounds in, in the roots, but we don't really think that's the case actually anymore. It's just that the, the fungus is really geared to um, penetrating the roots, healthy roots, mm -hmm. and the, the fungus will move like a thread with which are called hyphae. Okay. And they grow uh, through the root cortex to the water conducting vessels or okay. channels within the root, which then lead up to the stems, mm -hmm. into the peels, leaves, and then into the... Um, uh, go right up to the end of the, of the leaves where the water leaves to go to the air atmosphere. And so the fungus moves through those channels and they can also, they grow as these threads, but then they also produce uh, reproductive structures. Uh, you know, they're, they're disseminating their offspring, if you want to call it. And they produce a lot of these things. They're called canidia. And they produce wow a, a lot, and they're very they're small, and they can move in the water in these vessels, and they can move up the plant. So, infection starts in the roots, moves to the stems, moves to the leaves. Okay, yeah. and um, the plant then doesn't like this. <laughs> it can sense <laughs> it can sense that the fungus is there growing. And it robs energy, and there's even some debate about the, the fungus producing a, a toxin or a compound that can kill the plant, or at least decrease its health and vigor. And so what the plant will do is, it's kind of like an amputation. Mm -hmm. So if you have an infection, let's say on your foot, and you can't really stop the infection with antibiotics and various other things, well, the resort is to, you know, get rid of the foot. Sure, yeah. And so what the plant does is it blocks those water vessels. 
it plugs them up actually. Okay. And to prevent the fungus from spreading. Well, that is not great for the plant uh, mm-hmm. in the long term because the plant needs water to go to all those leaves, right? Of course. Yeah. And so then um, the plant will be heat, uh, well, I said heat stressed, moisture stressed. And so it's, it's become, it's, it's vigor and health is compromised because it's not getting enough water up to its leaves. And that's for cooling. It's for transportation of nutrients. It's for maintaining um, a rigid plant, like an upright plant, uh, okay. rather than working. So there's a lot of importance to having good movement of the water. Sure. And so the plant needs to do a couple of things, either try to put more stems on to get uh, um, new leaves and try to circumvent and get water moving in other other places and so it can be successful or not in years that we have a moisture limitation the plant really can't keep up with trying to circumvent the, these blockages that it's created mm-hmm. and uh, it can in effect uh, burn up dry up lose its uh, trigger pressure and so what we see is uh, uh, visible like for a farmer to, to see out in the field is uh-huh. that we have what's referred to as flagging, which means the uppermost uh, leaves, petioles, will remain upright. Okay. And usually with a potato plant, they'll flop over because of the weight. Sure. They'll, they'll flop over as they grow. Uh, but in this case, they don't grow that much. Uh, so they're pretty light still. So they still stay standing yeah. <laughs> up. Mm-hmm. and uh, with that blockage of water, they die. Mm-hmm. They'll okay. uh, wilt, the leaves will wilt, but the petiole still is upright. And then uh, the, they, they get crispy and, and die. Sure. In some cases, the leaf of the potato plant the whole leaf doesn't kind of get this effect of, of wilting and then going crispy and stuff. Rather, uh, one half of the leaf does that. Oh, interesting. And, yeah, and that's the, the, the half does that because not all the water conducting vessels are blocked. Okay. But vessels that are blocked go to half of the leaf, then you'll see it as half leaf um, um, having the symptoms so that's why it's like that okay so that's one is called the flagging you have these upright uh, uh sentinels of death i guess i'm not sure <laughs> what you want to call them out there um and and you know the the plant below can still be green but you have these these flagging and that's a good indicator that you're gonna succumb pretty quickly to potato wilt uh early dying in in your um, your field okay and then in other situations, you can see the leaves that have flopped over um, are half of them will be wilted and get dry and crispy. Uh-huh. Another indication is the stem emerging from the soil. Um, if you take uh, that stem, about a three, four inch uh, section that's emitting, coming out of the soil, uh-huh. and you slice that in half like a cross section. Uh-huh. If you see that, stem being discolored okay so brownish 
Um, and um, so the center should be, you know, not pure white, but it's going to be kind of uh, beige-ish with some green coming in because the, the outer portions of the stem are still photosynthetic. Uh -huh. um, but you'll see a lot of browning in the center okay. of that uh, cross-section. That browning is actually the water vessels being plugged up okay. by the plant. Okay, they lay down special kind of material. They're really phenolics and tannins, yeah. which uh, have a, a brown color. And so that's another thing that you can diagnose and, and see. Now, okay, I, I'm not sure. I haven't been able to work through this entire question yet. But it was a big, biggie question. <laughs> it's a big one. And it's really fascinating when you think about all of those different signs that the, the plant can give you that, you know, something is going wrong or something's going awry. When you think about that, right? Like, I don't know, I'm, I'm thinking on a very large scale level, but to, to imagine, you know, a plant only directing water to a certain part of it, or, you know, part of the roots being infected. And, and I just find it fascinating, <laughs> but uh, it, it is. Well, how about this? It gets even, well, we can't say always with pathogens and pests gets better in terms of uh, <laughs> right uh, it gets a bit more complex um yeah. which means it's a little challenging to manage um, sure. there are other organisms that can be involved and one mm -hmm. in particular is a nematode so these mm -hmm. are worms in soil not like the ones you go fishing with right these are really tiny they're about one millimeter to two millimeters in length mm -hmm. and you really can't see them with your eye and they, um, they're not related to earthworms at all. They're, they're round worms, they're nematodes. Uh -huh. And there's one particular nematode, which is the root lesion nematode. But even then, from based on studies, it's not, there are many species of root lesion nematode in Canada, uh -huh. but in particular, there's one called Pratolanchus penetrans. And that nematode aggravates potato early dying. Okay. So what it does, you know, there's a bit of this in the literature that the nematode causes the plant to not protect itself as well against the fungus, mm -hmm. against the vertebrae. We don't know exactly what's going on here, but the plant is more susceptible to uh, invasion, colonization, uh, ramping up of the population and movement throughout the plant by the fungus uh -huh. moves much faster uh -huh. uh, in the presence of the nematode. And we used to think that the nematode was causing holes in the roots because that, that's how they feed is they right. poke holes in the roots and then enter the root and the cortex and they kind of just hang out there and they'll, they'll feed and, you know, they'll, come out uh, of the root eventually, make more holes and stuff like that. Uh -huh. But um, we don't think that it's following, the fungus is following in those holes. We just think the plant is a lot weaker. And okay. it seems to be this penetrans species that does this. So right. um, we have, unfortunately, Paradonychus penetrans. So it's very prominent in potato growing regions around the world. Uh -huh. Now, when it comes to Canada, Penetrans is in Atlantic Canada, uh, Quebec, and Ontario, uh -huh. and it, it is also present in British Columbia. Okay. Now, on the prairies, we've been looking at this for, oh, God, I don't know how many years now, over 10 years, 
-hmm. and we've not been able to find penetrans okay. on the prairies. Uh, we've found another species, Pralinchus neglectus, but um, not penetrans. Okay. Uh, neglectus, as far as we can tell, doesn't quite have the same synergistic effect with Verticillium dalii okay. in terms of aggregate. It seems to be able to cause problems on its own in very high populations, but um, doesn't seem to do this whammy with um, Verticillium dalii. Okay. So, in some regions of Canada, when we think of potato early dying, we're, we're actually really talking about the fungus, Dalii, Verticillium Dalii, and Prolinctus penetrans. So you, you need to kind of manage the disease by tackling both of those organisms, okay? Uh -huh. Prairies, we can focus more on um, Verticillium Dalii. Uh -huh. Now, there is some uncertainty about other organisms involvement. Um, Black dot is one, Colotoctricum, Fusarium maybe. So we hear about, and farmers will see that their fields will die early in, in um, August and they'll say, oh, I'm, you know, it look, looks like I'm having lots of black dot in my uh -huh. field. Um, or we find Fusarium too. Right. So, you know, the question becomes, well, what's really killing here is it, is it a black dot issue or is it a secondary pathogen that comes in because the plant is weak and dying? Mm -hmm. So we're not, we're not quite sure there. Okay. A bit of a spiral effect maybe. Yeah, it could yeah. be. You, know, you get com compound effects, right? Um, now, I didn't I neglected to say about when all this happened. So I just mentioned, so August. So often, uh, well, what, what we see, that's why it's called potato early dying is the plant senesces dies uh -huh. early earlier uh -huh. than expected and that could be one week two weeks uh earlier than expected uh, and again it depends on if you have a dry year very hot year right. it can happen earlier in some years where it's it's uh we have it's cooler and we have lots of moisture especially if you're in uh, dry land, so I shouldn't say, well, unirrigated, yeah. then um, you may not see something if you had enough precipitation. Right. Uh, sometimes with irrigation, we, you see it, but it's, it's, it's a matter of days or a week and a bit uh, of dying early. Yeah, and that and kind so of led into my, one of my other questions too, is just asking about soil types and moisture levels and, and how they would contribute. Yeah. So, you know, you would think that, well, sand soils mm -hmm. would be more susceptible. Well, the vast majority of our potatoes are grown on light textured soils, may not mm -hmm. be sands, but maybe some silts and so forth. But um, so texture does have a big difference in terms of the water holding capacity. Mm -hmm. We also find organic matter is a big, big factor. The more soil organic matter the less prone to early dying. Okay, that's interesting. And we have data on this in, in Manitoba, but uh, others have seen this as well. So, um, you know, I kind of think of it in, in more of a general sense in terms of health, soul health, that mm -hmm. we can improve the soul health and improving organic matter is a big way of doing that. Mm -hmm. We can um, reduce the, the disease. Mm -hmm. uh, now, um, What's the impact of this early dying? Well, it's ro really robbing us of large tubers. Mm -hmm. So the 
we see more small and medium-sized tumors. So we lose out on the large and some of the bonuses um, because of that um, early death. So the mm -hmm. late tuber bulking stage is what's really disrupted in the okay. life cycle of the potato. So when you talk about, let's say, let's switch over to a little bit of best practices. Um, obviously, like you said, um, and improving your soil health and soil organic matter, are there other best practices um, and control options, I should say as well, you know, chemical and otherwise um, that growers can implement to kind of improve their, their shot against all of these factors that contribute to potato early dying? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's lots of management practices that producers can do. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them is by selection of the potato cultivar. Okay. So different cultivars have a susceptibility to um, early dying or, or, or the verticillium. Mm -hmm. And so that's one factor. So often you, you can see in the, the seed guides, of what uh, the cultivar is in terms of a rating for early dying. Right. Okay. So I'll give you an example. Like Russet Burbank is listed as moderately resistant. Okay. But a farmer would kind of think of Russet Burbank as being quite susceptible. Okay. okay. But there are other varieties that uh, cultivars out there that are much more susceptible. And then there are others, some of the newer cultivars that are better than Russet Burbank and being resistant. So mm -hmm. um, they can play with that, okay, in terms of selection. Mm -hmm. Another is by choosing the frequency of cropping potato. Okay. So you could think about, you know, we're, we've talked about how the fungus grows in the plant and then produces these microsclerotia. They survive in the soil for a long time and yes. so forth. Well, if we grow potato more frequently, we build up that population, right? For sure, for sure. Yeah. So the plants get infected earlier um, uh, after emergence and so forth like that. And so mm -hmm. um, you can lengthen our rotations. So we've seen that like in, in the past, we, we, we have producers on one in two years here mm -hmm. and they can ramp up really fast in terms of um, disease issues like early dying. And then obviously, um, coincident with a declining yield. Uh -huh. So um, moving to one in three is good. Okay. Uh, one in four is even probably better. Okay. There's a bit more of a break. So that's good. So that's rotation is another one. Uh -huh. Rotation management. Cultivar we talked about. Uh, weed management is always important uh, because the verticillium can have a fairly wide host range. Uh -huh. So we can go on to um, weeds, particularly any, any weeds in the tomato family, right. like nature in particular. Sure. Um, and so good weed control is also another one that's important. And then uh, we can do, uh, well, one thing that farmers do is, and I'm not sure if they do it purposely. You hear about farmers talking <laughs> about nitrogen and how they're, oh, you know, my, my crop just ran out of nitrogen. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then died and I didn't get much yield. Well, nitrogen, uh, and farmers know this, putting on lots of nitrogen causes a lot of vine growth. Uh -huh. Remember, we were talking about the plugging of those uh, water vessels in the plant? Right, right, right. Well, we add lots of nitrogen. Well, then you're going to encourage new stems. 
and those new stems wouldn't have been around long and they're free, not, I wouldn't say free, but they're not plugged up yet. For sure. So when, when we have decent amount of nitrogen, we encourage um, new leaves and um, stems and the plant can keep growing and feeding those tubers. Uh -huh. So nitrogen management actually is part of dine. So when I look at uh, the nitrogen rates that we're applying to potato, sometimes that doesn't make sense to me, the, the rates. It's like, well, you know, the potato is not really needing this much nitrogen right? Uh, in terms of its uptake and so forth. Okay, we're in light textured soils, yes. And potato have a really wimpy root system, yes. Okay, so maybe we, we do have to feed it a bit more. But I think a big part of it is we're feeding to encourage the vines so that we can keep growing the, the plant. Mm -hmm. So... I think our nitrogen rates are, are partly um, associated with that in oh, terms of potato uh, dying um, yeah. thing. Now, another is, and this is in uh, areas that uh, have, you know, for decades have had potato early dying problems and been growing potatoes for decades before that. Mm -hmm. uh, it will rely on fumigation. Okay. So chemical fumigation. And chemical fumigation will be products like chloropicrin or um, vapam, methane sodium. Okay. Um, and they will, um, these products can attack and kill the microscrotia and soil. They definitely kill the nematode mm -hmm. uh, very easily. Now, the fu fungus is much more difficult to kill because of these resting structures, they're quite resistant. And so you need a good dose of the product and you need to make sure you have a good distribution in the soil uh -huh. and you need to make the moisture and temperatures uh, good for the product to um, gas and distribute to move through the soil to get to the microscrotia and kill them. Yeah. So but fumigation is definitely uh, uh, an option in, in area, some areas. Uh, some growers are using fumigation. They've experimented with it. Uh, they're finding uh, good success. Uh, one of the things they find uh, with fumigation is it's best to fumigate every year before the potato crop. Okay. So if you go in that route, you are kind of um, committing yourself to that management practice and associated costs and right. labor and planning involved with it, okay? Right. Usually the fumigation is done in the fall, mm -hmm. late fall, uh, before the potato crop. Okay. As, and then coming on the market more recently is our fungicides. Mm -hmm. That um, there are fungicides that we're, we're examining in, in our CanPedNet project. Mm -hmm. And they can have, we're finding they do have some positive effect. They don't completely protect the plant but they do seem to be improving yields. Okay. So uh, that's, this is very interesting. We're continuing with this to get more years and more um, locations across Canada in, in the CanPetNet project. So uh -huh. there are some fungicide options. Then there's, um, uh, you can use nematicides. If you, if you really have a nematode issue, you can use nematicides to get at the nematodes. And then if you uh, want to try other non-chemical means, well, they're still chemical, but they're not synthetic chemicals. There's biofumigation, which you, yeah. you grow mustards. 
um, and particularly mustard varieties, which are high in glucosinolates and try to get a really good growth of the mustard and um, plowed into the soil. Mm -hmm. Green still. And so you do this in uh, late, say mid to late, late July. And the glucosinolates will produce a, a compound that um, can kill the microscorotia. Mm -hmm. Now, this of course means that your field is out of commercial production for one year. Okay. Okay. Right? So you're not growing a rotation crop. So maybe kind of a, a, a last, uh, last ditch effort if, if things are getting really bad and, and you need to kind of reset your field a little bit. Yeah, that, that's, I like that idea. We are looking at that in the project. Uh, so I, I kind of think of it as trying to build soil health in that soil or rejuvenate mm -hmm. that by increasing right. organic matter, trying to knock down the, the verticillium a bit. Right. And um, think about shifting practices, including uh, cover crops, getting more organic matter in that soil, for example. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. trying to get the biology back uh, or improving the biology in the soil. Yeah. Uh, so there, there are practices like that. There are some crops actually that can be effective uh, like sorghum pseudon grass uh, mm -hmm. against the nematodes. Okay. So there's some options there. That's, so that's yeah. pretty cool. That is cool. It yeah. sounds very much like, much like, you know, the disease itself or the, the issue itself is a, a very complex one. So too is the solution strategy. There's, there's lots of different ways that you can knock this down. It's just about finding the best combination of, of maybe practices and products and, and uh, you know, solutions for, for what you're dealing with in your field. Yeah. And, you know, and Canada's quite geographically broad. So, mm -hmm. so example, in Atlantic Canada, the potato, the potato system in Atlantic Canada is vastly different than at my home in Manitoba. Mm -hmm. uh, and so even the, the rotation crops that can be marketed, the options are quite different between Atlantic Canada and what my farmers in Manitoba can, can market. For sure. Right? So, For um, sure. so, and it depends on the, the prices. What, what's, what's, what's the elevator prices for right. um, the rotation crops and when they're really high. So if canola is going to be high and wheat and so forth are going to be high, then uh, the grower may not want to forego a, a, a crop year. Yeah. But when, you know, and, and sometimes it seems that we go through periods where it seems to cost more money to grow a crop than harvest it. Mm -hmm. uh, than what you get for for harvesting it. Mm -hmm. uh, that though, then then I start getting lots of phone calls and emails about um, uh, mustards and green manures and so right. forth like that. It right. kind of comes and goes with commodity prices. <laughs> prices for sure, for sure. So I I want to talk a little bit about Can Pednet and uh, we hosted you at our Canadian Potato Summit this past February, um, where you gave a bit of an update along with uh, Dr. Dimitro Yevtushenko. So I wondered if you could maybe briefly explain the objectives of Can Pednet and uh, maybe a little synopsis of the projects involved. I know there's quite a few collaborators um, and and different initiatives that you have underway under the Canadian Potato Early Dying Network. Yeah, yeah, it'd be my pleasure. Uh, so Can Pednet, uh, so the Canadian Potato Early Dying Network is a national project and it is um, under the, I guess, the 
federal government CAP program, Canadian Agricultural Partnership Program. Yep. yep. And then um, the uh, CHC, the Canadian Horticulture Council, uh, is the lead um, and uh, lead organizer. Um, and so, you know, it's an industry-driven program, this CAP program. Mm-hmm. And under the, so the different commodities and and CHC representing potato growers for, for Canada um, um, has a cluster, science cluster project. And mm-hmm. so a program and PedNet is one of the projects underneath that um, program. And so with uh, the CHC and Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada, um, uh, so uh, we, we have this project. And it started in the, the fall of 2019. And we really started getting going last year in 2020. So we're, mm-hmm. we're almost about midway through the, the project now. And the goal is to reduce the severity of potato dying uh, in Canada. It's to also create a network of researchers sharing information, conducting research studies and saying, okay, this works in my region. This doesn't work. What's working in your region? So right. forth like that. So we can share, share our knowledge and expertise and develop also tools and technology. So one of the things is developing um, soil tests for mm-hmm. um, being able to um, advise or a farmer can get the soil test and say, this is how much verticillium I have in my soil. I'm, you know, I'm thinking I might have an issue. Oh, I have the nematode. Okay. Uh, you know, I should be, be careful here. And so, um, and there, then there's what can a farmer do in terms of um, synthetic um, additives, chemicals, uh, inputs, and but then also cultural as well. And I, I'll mention, I'll go into a little bit of those sure. uh, as, as we as we chat. We have, as I said, researchers right across the the country. We also have uh, grower groups um, in partnered right across the country. And then we have industry partners right across the country. So mm-hmm. in terms of the researchers, there's um, a university folks like myself mm-hmm. and, and Dimitro at the University of Lethbridge, Katerina Jordan at the University of Guelph. And uh, we also have uh, then uh, federal scientists with Agriculture mm-hmm. and Agri-Food Canada. So Dawu Chen at Fredericton, Tanya Arsenault, Benjamin Mimi, uh, and uh, Saint Jean sur le Richelieu in Quebec, uh, Judith uh, Nirmiza in PEI, Oscar Molina here in, in um, Manitoba, and then we have government scientists, so mm-hmm. Khalil Al Mugrabi in, in New Brunswick. We have Matura Singh with um, Agriculture Certification Services, um, Grower Research Lab in uh, New Brunswick, and Harvey Vander Hayden with Phyto Data, which is um, a soil test, um, biological soil test uh, company in Quebec. And the grower groups, you know, Potatoes New Brunswick, PI Potatoes, uh, Potato Growers of Alberta, Keystone Potato Producers Association, Terra Potato Board, it's, um, right across. Yeah, it's, it's quite a network. It's wonderful. And then with industry, Cavendish, McCain, Simplot, um, Amvac, which, which is a manufacturer supplier of um, uh, methamsodium, Bayer, Syngenta. We have 
consultants that are doing field work. This is Gaia in Manitoba. So it's 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 really fantastic. It's right across the board. And and yeah. unfortunately, I'm not even mentioning everybody here, but you, you get the picture. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It's really a, really a, a huge networking team. Some are participants. Some are uh, funders. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it, it's it's really neat. So the coordination is is a bit challenging, but. It's it's a lot of fun, especially with our. We had a meeting about a month and a half ago to get together across the country, sharing the results, and it was really neat to see, the, seeing the results coming in from the, the various uh, activities in the project. Well, I can imagine as and as you said previously, you know, potato early dying has different factors to consider across the country, and so having you know different collaborators from many provinces and, and, and uh, grower groups and industry and, and all of those in, involved, like what, what a network, what a, a great program to be a part of, because obviously this is a, a big issue to potato growers and, and uh, insight that you and, and the team at Can Pednet can provide is, is interesting to, to growers. Absolutely. So. Mm-hmm. So in terms of the different uh, sub projects, if you want mm-hmm. to call it that for um, Ken Pednet, one big area of research is understanding the pathogens, the verticillium and the root lesion nematode across the country. So we're doing surveys of soil, of commercial potato fields across the country um, and determining the species that are present and their population levels Mm -hmm. and what that may mean for effect on yield and disease in the field. Okay. So it's pretty neat. So we, we have surveys uh, in Alberta, Manitoba, um, uh, New Brunswick, PEI, and Ontario. So it's, it's pretty, that's pretty cool. Uh, then uh, we're doing some of the lab work, greenhouse work, looking at is there variation across the country in terms of are some species of verticillin more aggressive uh, in killing the plant and also with the nematodes as well. Are there different populations of Pridolycus penetrans that are more aggressive or more synergistic with the verticillium dalii across the countries? We need to know, you know, is, is the pathogen the pathogen and wherever we are in Canada or, or some versions of the pathogen a lot more damaging? Right. Okay. Right. So that's a big component of the project. Another then is to screen other pathogens. And this is mainly being done with, with um, our, our partner uh, Phytodata uh, in Quebec and led by Herve, uh, looking at other pathogens like uh, black dot and fusarium, pythium, and so Rhizoctonia, Phytophthora. And so, and this is by screening the soil using molecular uh, tools to see, well, well, we have verticillium and the nematode, do we have other pathogens? Uh, and in the fields that are low yielding, do we have these other pathogens present and are, mm-hmm. can, are they somehow related, right? Mm-hmm. Then another, uh, this is kind of related, is, is to develop a tool uh, to, for soil testing for verticillium, dalii, and this, this component is being led uh, in, uh, by um, Matrissing uh, with ACS, uh, Cultural Certification Services in New Brunswick, to um, implement a PCR protocol that, so uh, 
molecular DNA to, uh, technique to uh, extract DNA from soil and measure the amount and the species of the verticillin present. And that the hope here is that we can roll out a commercial test for farmers. Right now, the tests are more um, labor intensive and very right. expensive, takes a long time. Um, and uh, they're subject to a lot of error. Okay. And uh, we need something way better uh, for farmers because right now our, our traditional technique of growing the fungus from soil is really a, a research laboratory kind of technique. You have to be, mm -hmm. you spend a lot of time to get it right. Sure. And really we're not gonna do that in a commercial laboratory. For sure. You're just not gonna do that. Right. So uh, we, we're really good progress in this area. Uh, then uh, there are, now we get to the control aspect of, of the disease and looking at uh, disease control products. So here we're looking at fumigants and fungicides. Okay, so we have trials uh, yep. across uh, several provinces looking at combinations um, uh, alone and in combination of, of fumigants and uh, fungicides and nematicides to control the potato early dying. And so I mentioned some of these are look promising to increase yields. They don't stop the mm -hmm. disease, they do improve. And yeah, it keeps on going. I'm getting, I'm running out of breath here. Uh, doing cultural practices, uh, right. such as adding compost, um, uh, green manures, biofumigation. So trying to increase and affect the, the soil health and using natural control practices, I guess, if you want to call it, use the bi biology, rely more on the biology. And so these uh, have been initiated, these studies, but they're in effect medium term studies that you need these things to go for three, four or five years, right? Mm -hmm. So we've launched this in, in CanPedNet. And so um, your listeners will be hearing over time about this work. Very um, exciting. Yeah. On the road. Yeah. Um, then there's other components in terms of our um, industry partners, uh, McCain, uh, Cavendish have um, field demonstrations for their growers mm -hmm. in terms of some of the control products uh, and uh, to show them um, at the field level. Ours are done, the research is done at a, by the academics and the Canada scientists at the plot level. Okay. We can do many different uh, treatments and combinations, but the, our partners, industry partners are, are doing more at the field level to show farmers that some of these um, that are most promising to um, uh, what they look like over a, a whole field. Very good. Lots of projects, lots of uh, exciting research. And, and as you said, I'm sure in the next few years, we'll, we'll be hearing lots more from Ken Pednet. Um, and in the meantime, we'll, we'll link the website in our show notes um, so that listeners can go on and, and read more in detail if, if they have questions or, um, or, or want to learn more about some of the different initiatives that, um, that are underway. Yes, yes, for sure. I will pass you a link to a website that uh, kind of gives an overview of the project. 
And yeah, stay tuned uh, because uh, we're really rolling. You know, COVID has kind of set back a bit of our outreach in terms mm-hmm. of field, field tours mm-hmm. and getting out in the public and talking in person to grower meetings and Definitely. conferences. So I really do appreciate this opportunity, Stephanie, to, to talk about Campedna and, and particularly dying with you um, in, in, um, in the Tuber Talk um, uh, podcast series. Well, we, we always love having you um, and learn. I, I learned so much from you, even just in this conversation. Like I, like I said before, it's just kind of really fascinating to learn about uh, plants, natural defenses, and, and, you know, of course, the different, very complex ways that uh, nematodes and fungi and all of these things can affect um, a crop. And uh, obviously, you know, farmers are familiar with that and scientists are familiar with that, but it's great to hear from someone like you to really break it down and, and explain um, kind of the ins and outs. So thank you very much for, for joining us today. You're welcome, Stephanie. It sounds like you should be a graduate student. Can Maybe. <laughs> in my spare time yeah I might just uh call you up and and see if I can do that yeah absolutely. <laughs> really appreciate hearing from people like you directly and and um helping me understand it but also of course helping our listeners understand it a little bit better too because I think being as informed as possible really does help make better decisions so uh we're hopeful that our, our listeners to this episode and and to all of our podcast episodes can can really glean something from you so We'll always appreciate chatting with you. Great. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, Dr. Tenuta, for joining us today. Thank you for listening to Tuber Talk, Canada's potato podcast. Catch up on all of our other episodes wherever you listen to podcasts or online at potatoesincanada.com slash podcasts.